Today's episode contains some material or content that may not be suitable for all listeners. Discretion is advised. Welcome to the Plum Forest Podcast, where we give you modernized versions of classical Chinese fables and short stories. And for the 18th time, I know, we hit 18 episodes. Make sure to tap that like, subscribe, and follow button. And if you really want to show your support or you're super bored, which are kind of the same thing, leave a comment or a review. And when you do that, it not only helps the host spread the word about us, but it also lets me know that you're listening. And I like that. I hope everyone is staying as safe as they possibly can during these tough times we find ourselves still in. I know it's tough, but we gotta work together to get through it. Wear a mask, please. They're not fun to wear, but the consequences for our society are way worse if you don't wear one. If you need one and want to show off your favorite podcast, please check out our website at plumforestpodcast.com to get yours, and we will send it straight to you. And guess what? You get something special when you buy one. A handwritten postcard from yours truly. And shit, I'll even throw a couple postcards in so you can write one and send one to your loved ones. Today's episode is a great one that I've always had my eye on when reading these short stories. This story has all sorts of twists and turns and even a great moral that we'll talk about after the story. You know how that goes. This story was written by a man named Gan Bao, or in Chinese, Gan Bao, around the year 150 CE. So it's really fucking old. But this story shows how family, no matter how annoying they can be, you still love and protect your family. This dude would write stories of supernatural events and was one of the most famous storytellers in all of Chinese history. And I'm not sure if you know this, Chinese history is long as fuck. So his stories literally withstood the test of time. Well, let's see what this is all about and get into today's story, The Ridge. British Columbia is one of the prettiest places found on this planet. The thick forest with beautiful trees and a vast array of animals living there makes this place one of the coolest places in the world. And that's not just my opinion. Well, maybe it is, but British Columbia is fucking cool. That is a fact I'll stand behind. Most people know that British Columbia's biggest city is Vancouver, And the culture of Vancouver has so many inputs from all of the native tribes mixed with immigrants, and it makes this a really cool vibe in that city. And if you've never been to Vancouver, it is amazing. It's such a cool vibe and overall just fun and amazing city. But where were we? Oh, oh yeah, British Columbia. Okay, so. The majority of British Columbia's population lives in Vancouver. But there are some people that live up in the northern part in these teeny-ass towns. One of these towns in northern British Columbia, if you can even call it that because it was just so small, is a town called Inganika Mind located between Barrier Peak and Mount Henri just west of Williston Lake. Okay, that was a lot of info to get, but this town was in the middle of nowhere in the mountains of British Columbia, really far away. Let's just put it that way. Now this town was an old mining town and very few people lived here because of the harsh winters and the remoteness of this area. But some people, those wild and crazy people, lived out there and it fit their lifestyle perfectly. 
Now, one of the inhabitants of this tiny-ass town was a man named William, but everyone just called him Bill. Bill lived in this tiny town with his three daughters, and his wife, before she passed many years ago, also lived there with him, but now it was just the four of them. The oldest of the daughters, Sammy, met a nice young fellow while studying at UBC, and they would be getting married soon, and she decided to move down south to Vancouver with her husband. And although Bill wasn't too fond of this idea of moving down, he was okay with it because it was his daughter's choice. The second daughter, Sharon, was 16 years old and a fierce hunter. Like, you know, in Skyrim, Ayla, the huntress? Yeah, kind of like that. But her and her father would often hunt together and they would always come back with some sort of meat to cook. They knew what they were doing. The youngest of all three daughters, Lucy, was 14 years old and always watched out over the house and usually stayed home taking care of their home. She was the best cook in the house, even though it was only three people, and she made sure that their house was well kept and there was food for the family to eat on the table. Lucy was always looked down upon by the other two sisters because their mother actually died while she was giving birth to her. So the other two sisters, in particular Sharon, treated her like shit she was really fucking mean to her. Like, even though she was helping keep the home life together, she was mean. But the key to this family's dynamic was their loyal hunting dog, Bobo. Bobo had been with them on numerous hunts and every person in this family put this dog before everyone else. And this dog was their best friend. One day, Lucy was finishing up the final touches for dinner when Sharon and her father returned from their daily hunt. Hey, Dad. Welcome back. Hey, sweetie. That smells really good. What is it? Rabbit with potatoes and carrots. Oh, my favorite. Can't wait. Oh, hey, Sharon. How was the hunt? Fine. We got some rabbits and foxes, but that's it. Our traps keep getting fucked, but we just have to rebuild them. Bobo, hey buddy, how was your trip? Bobo greeted Lucy with a load of puppy kisses that can make anyone smile. Why do you always baby that dog? It's gonna need to be ready when we encounter another grizzly, and if you baby it, it'll just be a little snack for the grizzly. Bobo kept playing with Lucy. Oh, he's a good boy. He just needs some love, because you don't give him any. The dad and Sharon both washed up and sat down for dinner. Wow, this looks amazing. Hmm. And it tastes just as good as it looks. Sharon took a bite of her food. Yeah, it's alright. Pretty good. Sharon, why are you such a bitch? I slaved over this meal all day and you can't even say it's good. Well, I would say it's good if you didn't fucking kill mom. Girls, girls, enough. Don't bring up mom like that when you both know that we all miss her. It wasn't her fault and it was just a freak occurrence. Yeah, when she gave birth to this freak. Sharon. Lucy sat there and didn't say a word. Thank you very much for the meal and it tastes amazing. You cook just like your mother. Thanks, Dad. God, I wish Sammy was here. She'd know that you killed mom on purpose. Sharon, enough. Do you want to sit with Bobo and eat with him? No. Then be nice. The three of them finished their meal and spent their night like they always do, prepping for the next day's hunt. 
The next morning, Dad and Sharon readied for going out to check on the traps to see if anything got caught in them. Guard the house, sweetie, and we'll be back before sundown. Okay, Dad. Be safe. Dad and Sharon headed off into the forest with Bobo, and Lucy worked on cleaning the house that day and prepping for dinner. After a while, Lucy was out feeding their chickens when her dad came stumbling over with Bobo by his side. Both her dad and Bobo were injured and limping, so she dropped the chicken feed and rushed over to give him a hand. Dad, what happened? Are you okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just fell. But Bobo got bit. Bit? By what? She inspected Bobo's wounds and noticed two puncture marks right near his ribcage. Dad, where is Sharon? I, I, I don't know where she is. What? Where is Sharon, Dad? She went off with Bobo while I was setting a trap, and I haven't seen her since. Bobo returned to me bleeding, and I headed in the direction where she went and fell, and, and now I can barely walk. I had to get here to make sure Bobo is okay, but I'm not sure where she is. Dad, I'm gonna go look for her. Where were you guys? No, not tonight. It's almost sunset, and if you go out there in the dark, you'll be going up Shit Creek without a paddle. Okay, just sit down. I'll get some bandages and a splint, and I'll fix your leg. Did you happen to see the wounds on Bobo? Yeah, I did. Dad, they look like a snake bite. Yeah, I know. They look like a snake bite. And a big snake, too. Do you mean that the Inganika snake is back? Where were you guys setting traps? We had to. None of our traps were working, and we needed to set some new ones. So we went up over by the ridge and set a few, and then... Then what happened? Sharon went missing. Dad, you've told me since I could remember that we should stay away from that goddamn ridge. And of course, you and Sharon went right over there. What did you think was going to happen? Did you think it was going to be okay? Well, look at the situation we're in now. God, you are exactly like your mother. She used to yell at me just like that. Not now, Dad. We need to go find Sharon. Okay. It's too late now. We'll go tomorrow morning. We'll head out and go searching for her. The dad, Lucy, and Bobo all headed inside and Lucy helped her father tend to his wounds. And of course she gave Bobo some tender TLC, but both Bobo and her dad were in no place to be active at this point. Lucy helped her father and Bobo that night and made sure they were in a good place to rest. The next morning, while their father laid in bed, she got up to go find Sharon. As she was in the process of gathering her things to leave, she grabbed her satchel, her gun, and her trusty canteen when her dad chimed in. Lucy, what are you doing? I'm going to find Sharon. By yourself? Well, it's not like you're in any place to give me a hand. You just rest. I filled up the kettle with some hot water for you, so drink that. I'm going to go up on the ridge and look for Sharon. What about the snake? I'll deal with that snake however I need to. What about Bobo? Bobo needs to rest, just like you. I'll be back by sundown. She opened the door and took one step out of the door when Bobo came up to her as if he was going out with her. Bobo, you gotta stay here. You aren't doing so hot and I don't want to lose you. Stay here, okay? Bobo growled. <coughs> Bobo, stay here. Bobo growled again. He's not letting you go alone. You know that, right? That's my dog and he doesn't leave people unprotected. He's gotta stay. Make him stay here and rest with you, Dad. He won't. 
Take him with you and he'll help as much as he can. Okay, fine. Let's go, Bobo. Bobo then rushed to her side. Lucy, take this. He tossed her his knife, seed, of course, because who would throw an unseed knife? Duh. You want me to take your knife? Really? Yeah, you're gonna need it. Lucy looked at her father and nodded. Both Bobo and Lucy went out on their journey to go and try and find Sharon. The two of them headed up nearby the famous ridge, and she started thinking out loud to Bobo. Alright, Bobo. Here's what we gotta do. We gotta look for some signs, and then when we find some, we'll put bits of this rabbit meat to help lure the snake out. Bobo agreed. Well, you know how a dog would agree. He didn't really understand, but Lucy was using this to figure out her plan. You, 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 you get what I mean, jeez. They continued up to the ridge and soon spotted many of the traps Dad had set out yesterday. But all of them looked as if they were trampled by an animal that was way larger than any of these traps could catch. But they continued up to get closer to the ridge. As they soon reached the ridge, there were blood markings on a nearby log, and all Lucy could think was, That blood is fresh. It's gotta be either Bobo's or Sharon's. Bobo looked at her and smelled the blood on her hand, and began to track the smell of this blood. They headed up closer to the ridge, and they soon found themselves at a large cave with a huge opening. Bobo looked at Lucy as he stood at the opening of this cave. Is this the right place? Is this it? Bobo looked back at her and Lucy cocked her gun while she put small bits of rabbit at the entrance to this cave. And they then headed over to hide behind a huge boulder and waited to see if this snake would come out. After a little bit of eager waiting, Bobo's ears perked up and looked over to the entrance. A ginormous snake, like something out of that horrible anaconda movie with J-Lo and Ice Cube. God, that was horrible. But whatever, you get what I mean. It was a huge fucking snake. This snake was easily over 20 feet long and weighed at least 250 pounds. It was a complete and utter unit of a snake. This snake was now slithering around the entrance and started smelling the rabbit meat. Bobo growled at this snake. The snake glared over to see both of them hiding behind this rock. Alright, you piece of shit. Let's rock and roll. Lucy steadied her gun and aimed it straight at the snake, and the snake's eyes were like two huge mirrors looking straight back at her. Just as quickly as the standoff started, the dog ran around to the side of the snake and tried to bite it as hard as it could. The snake lunged over to bite the dog, and just as the snake moved, Lucy took a shot at the snake. The bullet grazed the snake's head, but it was preoccupied with Bobo running around it, and Lucy decided to take a second shot. This shot was a direct hit and hit the snake just below its eye. Bobo backed off as the snake yelped out in pain. 
Lucy stepped closer, and the snake was on its last breath, slithering its tongue in and out, slower and slower with every second. She stood over it and took out her father's knife and stabbed this unit of a snake in the head. The snake went lifeless immediately as the knife went into its brain. Lucy stood over the snake and noticed something glimmering off to the left of her. Is that... Lucy walked into the cave a little bit more and found Sharon's anklet that was her good luck charm given to her by her mother. Oh god. Well, Bobo, I think we found Sharon. Lucy grabbed this anklet in her hand. She stood there staring at the snake and didn't know what to think with what had just happened. Her sister was nowhere to be found, and all she had was this anklet in her hand. We gotta get back home. We've gotta check on Dad. I hope he's okay. Sharon's gone. Boba sniffed the anklet and looked over to Lucy. I know, I miss her too. Even if she was a huge bitch, she was our raging bitch. Boba walked over to Lucy, and they gave each other some hugs. Well, you know, dog hugs. They're wonderful, and that's what Bobo gave Lucy. Puppy affection, you know. She then pulled her knife out again and cut off the snake's head. And because the snake's head was the size of a fucking small child, she had to carry it on her back. The two of them then headed back down to their home, And when they arrived, they met her father as he was sitting on the patio sipping some whiskey for the pain. So how was it? Sharon is gone. She placed the anklet on the table. God damn it. That girl fought though. She was always a fighter. That snake had a lot of stab wounds. She did not go down without a fight. The dad was holding back tears when Lucy said to him, We got the snake though. Wait, what? You killed it? She swung around the snake head and slammed it down on the table. You actually killed it? Holy shit! You really are your mother. I thought you said no one could ever kill that snake. God, you have your mother's arrogance and pride. Well, it wasn't easy. I would not have had a chance if Bobo didn't distract it. I can't believe we lost Sharon, but you rose to the occasion. I bet Sharon and Mom are looking down and smiling at you right now. Lucy washed her hands and headed inside. Well, what meat do we have left for dinner? Lucy then began working on dinner for the two of them and Bobo. Buddy, that was wild. I'm so pleased that she was able to get that snake and slam his head on the table. That's one of the most badass things you can do, by the way. Like if you lose your sister to a snake and dad's at home resting, then you come home and slam that mofo on the table. Badass, with a capital B and a capital A if you don't know how to spell badass. And like I said before in the intro, in the original of this story, she was also a girl and to think that in that time era, to have a female protagonist who slays the big ass animal, that must have been a radical idea for them. But Chinese culture has always been talking about women saving the day. 
Like if you look at Mulan and all sorts of other stories, women can whoop just as much ass as any man. Well, maybe not Chuck Norris, cause no human or animal can whoop that much ass, but you get what I mean. Damn, what about a female Chuck Norris? Think about those babies they would make. Like I bet I would drop kick out of the uterus and the only person who could birth that baby would be the female Chuck Norris. Oh man. All right, I'm off topic, but that's a cool idea and great to think about. Either way, I loved how this story portrayed women as badass people who do all the housework, but when the time comes to it, she lays down the motherfucking law on that motherfucking snake. Oh, and I bet you have some weird questions, so make sure to head over to that Plum Forest Podcast subreddit and get answers to any questions that you may have. Our voices today were done by a great group of people. The role of Bill was done by Ethan Steimel, who's done a few other roles for us. He does an amazing job on our podcast, like this. Ah, no Bud Light, just Bud Heavy. His podcast, Artistic Finance, is still giving us great way to monetize the arts, which is what podcasters are all striving for. Right, everyone? Right, fellow podcasters? The voice of Sharon was done by the amazing Rebecca Adams. Rebecca makes a really interesting podcast called Raw Truth, where she tells stories of infidelity. These stories are not for everyone, as some people may not like listening to this kind of stuff, but if this is your kind of thing, she does an absolutely amazing job in making these stories. What was that famous quote from Wayne Campbell? Led Zeppelin didn't make songs that everyone liked, they left that up to the Bee Gees. That's the best way to put her really amazing podcast. And the Bee Gees will be Joe Rogan or something like that. Ha <laughs> ha! Lastly, the voice of Lucy was done by Sarah Jones. Sarah is part of a great podcast called Bigfoot for Breakfast podcast, where they tell these like strange, off-the-wall stories, kind of like what we do. If audio drama podcasts are your jam, this is one you should be listening to ASAP. All of these wonderful people's links can be found on our website at plumforestpodcast.com under this week's episode page, and you should go check them all out and give them all a quick listen. They were an amazing group of people which made an amazing episode. Thanks, everyone. Please make sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Plum Forest Pod, and we're also on YouTube, too, at Plum Forest Podcast. Our Patreon is still growing strong with however many patrons we don't have now, but be sure to check that out, too. The Plum Forest Podcast gear is still going strong, so be sure to check that out and show off your favorite podcast to any and all of your friends. And they also make great gifts, too. But through all the merch and Patreon and all that stuff, it's just a big thank you from me to everyone because you guys make me able to do this, and I love doing this for you guys. Well, be sure to tune in next week for a brand new episode that's really silly and kind of gross, but we're going to stick with the really funny part. Until then, take care and stay safe. You just listened to a Where's Kellen production. Nailed it.